Okay, it is 15 October 2023. I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CG Prophecy Report. A dangerous place. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, before we announce anything else at all, I would like to say that we have now been the Superior Word Church for 13 years and two days. On the 13th of October, we had our anniversary, which I didn't know about until somebody emailed me and said, happy anniversary to the church. And I'm like, oh, so had I known, we would have had pizza at Bible study on Thursday night. But I I just didn't know that until the next day. But it's uh, 13 years now that we've uh, been the Superior Word Church, plus the time that we were church on the beach for uh, two, three, whatever years that was. And uh, I just, I really want to thank everybody that has participated. There have been a lot of people that have helped out this church, uh, just volunteering uh, to do all kinds of things, you know, uh, post things and write things and, uh, you know, just make a website. We've got a guy that made a website years ago and he has maintained it every single day for 13 years. And he, I can't, I don't know his real name. He only says, call me Mike. So Mike uh, has been doing this all these years and he won't let, he won't give me his address to send him a thank you or anything like that. And uh, there are people like that that have done all kinds of things. You go online and you can find resources that I had nothing to do with. And I want to thank them. That's simply amazing because uh, 13 or actually this building 10 years ago, I remember the first day and I thought, I wonder if we'll be here in two months. I had no idea. You know, I mean, we just came off the beach and we had a building and and uh, all these years later, we're still plugging along in the word of God. We're all the way up to the book of Judges now. So we've gone. Yeah, we've really been breakneck break next speed, starting with Genesis. And we're just writing Judges chapter two, verses 16 through 23 today. So it's been a long haul. And uh, there you go. Um, I'd also like to uh, welcome three people that are from out of town. They came uh, from Ohio, and the reason why I'm especially highlighting them isn't because they haven't been here before. Normally, if somebody has been here before, I don't, you know, I just welcome them into the church. But in this case, I want to highlight them for two reasons. The first reason is that I was with them on the very last day I have taken off. And that was in September of 2020. September of 2020 was the last day I took off. Now, people will come and visit and they'll, we'll go out to the, uh, you know, Spanish Point or something. Uh, and they can say, well, that's not true because we went to Spanish Point together. Well, if I meet somebody at 12 o'clock, I start at 3.30 in the morning. I've already put in an eight-hour day. And after Spanish Point, I go in and I do another three or four hours of work. So um, uh, I had such a good time with them that I said, I don't ever need another vacation, much less a day off. It was that good of a time. We went to the Creation Museum, the Ark Museum, and we went to the Air Force Museum, which I'm ex-Air Force. And so uh, I really enjoyed that. And because of that, I just want to thank them for showing up here again. And uh, it meant a lot to me. And uh, I don't know what the actual day was that we went. If you have a calendar, let me know, because I don't. But I remember that it was such a good time. And I told him they were, he said, uh, Thursday night, you need to take a day off. And I said, man, I had my time off. That was great. It was so wonderful. So uh, I just appreciate that very much. And uh, uh, it's good to have them back. Now, I said there were two things I was going to acknowledge them for. The other one is that the Bible question today, which we always have a Bible question if you get it. 
I have a super secret surprise they send every year. And if you remember this, great. If not, you have to wait to find out what it is. But this is really good stuff right, right from their hometown. It's made up there. It is amazing. But you'll find out what it is when we have a Bible test. And uh, I got two more weeks worth of that. So um, there we go. That is if you get the right, the answer to the Bible question at the end of the sermon. Okay, having said that, we're going to get into the main uh, bulk of the prophecy report today. And um, I got some news from Israel. I'll just read a couple of articles, but I'm not going to belabor this. Um, Some people have done entire sermons on what's going on in the world right now, or they've done 10 reports over the past week and they've kept people up. I'm not going to do that, and the reason why is because I've told you that I have the CG report, which I do every single day. It takes me several hours to get those articles up on thecgreport.com. Every single thing that has happened during that 24-hour period, I've posted at the top, and you can click on it, and you can look, or just read the titles, and you'll know what's going on. I also have a link at the top that says, um, uh, this is the updated news every single day for today on the Times of Israel. And so if something happens, it takes you immediately to the the counter back of minute by minute what's been happening. Um, And so you've got that information, and my thought is, if you're not going there, that's your fault. And so, uh, because I've told you about it, and if you have been going there, then you're up to date with what is going on. And I know that everybody's interested in anyway. So you're probably reading news services and watching uh, things online anyway. Uh, So I'd be repeating things. But um, I was asked a good question at the beginning of the Bible class on Thursday, and we ended up spending probably 20 minutes talking about that. Uh, I don't remember the specific question, but what it was it had to do with Gog Magog. Does this, uh, do you think this is coming in right now? And I answered that question. And if you want to know how I feel about that and everything that's going on in Israel right now, all you need to do, and I'll save 20 minutes and have other articles for you, is go back to the Thursday Bible study. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, and uh, you can watch that. It's everything that I think was relevant to her question about what is going on. Um, and then finally, I'll say this. Um, we have, uh, of course, and this happens anyway. It would happen if Israel sneezed on somebody. Uh, they will be blamed for every single thing that happens in this war. Even if right now people are, are saying that Israel has a right to defend themselves, when the war is over and they have been victorious, which they will be, everybody will say you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. Okay, and they're going to get skewered by it. So I will tell you that right now, this morning, I there's a webcam that is linked on the CG report, and you can watch Gaza get bombed, okay? And I get a little satisfaction, so I leave it there all day, but you can watch, there's four camera angles, and you can watch them as they're being bombed. Um, and this morning, it has a, a thing scrolling across the top saying, well, missiles just went into Tel Aviv. That was this morning, okay? And we're hearing how bad it is that Israel is bombing Gaza, okay? Okay. Uh, they're being they're they're targeting you know infrastructure like they blew up the Planned Parenthood in Israel or in Gaza. Well, good, but despite that, they um, they were going to blow up the hospital. And what did they do? Can anybody tell me what they did? They told them. They told them you need to evacuate this hospital. Why why would they blow up a hospital? Hamas is, Hamas is using it for weapons, and they know that. Okay, so you need you have two hours to evacuate. They said it's not enough. They gave them a little more time, and. It didn't really make the news anywhere is that Hamas, when they were sending in their missiles, blew up a hospital in Israel. They didn't get any warning at all. Okay. The people in Tel Aviv are being targeted. 
not infrastructure like military complexes, the people, by these indiscriminate missiles. So it is not two-sided. It is one-sided in what is happening in this war. And you need to remember this if you have a discussion with somebody in your family to be able to tell them this is what happened and you're being told not the truth if you're watching MSNBC, which you shouldn't be doing anyway. But um, things like that are the things that I am highlighting on the CG report. So you can go there and you can see those things and you can say, okay, I am prepared to talk to my liberal brother about this next week. Don't punch him in the head, okay? Uh, Something else will uh, take care of his uh, liberal thinking. But, um, yeah, shucks on that. Anyway, um, I just don't want to condone violence. But I will say that um, one more thing is that um, uh, Israel is going in there, and they have said in advance that they are not going to leave any Hamas alive. That means that they are not going to leave any Hamas alive. So if somebody says they are shooting these people, even when they have their arm raised, it is because they have said in advance they are not going to leave any Hamas alive. Hamas is the people that have butchered their citizens. They had no mercy on Israel when they went in and did the horrifying things they did. These people, they know this. They can now drop their arms and they can walk to Egypt or they can face the consequences. So when you see somebody having an argument that says what they're doing is wrong, they have told in advance everything they're going to do. They're not hiding anything, okay? This is the price of warfare, all right? When we were fighting the Nazis in World War II, they didn't go in and say, Dresden, we're going to firebomb you tomorrow. They went in that night and they firebombed Dresden. Now, everybody can look back and say, well, it was a terrible war crime, but at the time they were fighting for their lives, their very existence, and this is what Israel is doing. They have nowhere else to go. So I, I'm going to get angry if I continue. So that is my stand with Israel. If you disagree, I couldn't care this much. I, I really could not. Israel needs to defend itself. They did not initiate this, and Israel will prevail in this. They, they don't deal as far as hostages. And That's right. That's right. Everybody in Israel is a soldier. That's right. Everybody in Israel has been a soldier or will be a soldier. No, and but there are people that don't serve. They're given religious exemptions, and I disagree with that entirely. But anyway, um, if you're in a society like that, you need to say, well, but they do make them do other things, medical stuff and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, it's something that we all have our opinions about. But when somebody emails me and says, well, you're stand on Israel because it's my stand on Israel. I'm not going to change it. And that's why I don't mean to be arrogant when I say don't, you know, I I don't care. It's just that this is what I believe because I said one more thing. I'm going to give you another thing. Okay. (laughs) I said this on the Thursday night Bible study. And I I said, before I asked the question, I said, when I answer it, some of you are going to be upset about it. And I was talking about everybody, people watching online and everything. And I gave my opinion about are Israel God's people. And Nobody answered the question because it's kind of a one-sided thing that has two sides. And so I gave my answer, and if you want to know what my answer is, listen. And it is the correct answer because some Christians take this too far. And when they do that, they now are doing basically what the Catholic Church does and what um, uh, John Hagee does. And they do not evangelize Jews. 
Now, if you have to evangelize a Jew, that tells you something. So go watch that on the Thursday night Bible class and we'll go on from Mail Online. Harvard students will be blacklisted by, and you may have heard some of these things, but I want to just highlight some things that are kind of out of the war thing, but still involved with it. Harvard students will be blacklisted by Wall Street after joining 31 organizations that blamed Israel for the Palestinian war. Harvard students have been warned they have jeopardized their futures after putting out a statement blaming Israel for the horrific Hamas terror attack. One billionaire came out and he said this, and then it snowballed from there. Good. New York Post, Harvard students scramble to take back support for letter attacking Israel. So all of a sudden, money means more than ideology to these lefties, as some CEOs look to blacklist them. A flurry not just a few, a flurry of Harvard students and groups are desperately trying to backtrack on their support of a letter blaming Israel for the mass slaughter of its own people by Hamas terrorists as some business titans seek to blacklist them from future jobs. They have cut themselves off and they realize that. Mom and dad just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars for nothing. They can go down and get a job maybe at McDonald's, (laughs) Mail Online. At least a dozen more CEOs endorse Bill Ackman's vow to not hire Harvard students who blamed Israel for Hamas terror attack as undergrads double down on their statement and whine about being flooded with racist hate speech. Yeah, poor people. Mail online. Israeli billionaire and his wife quit board of Harvard's famed Kennedy School of Business after slamming college's woke president, Claudine Gay's shocking and insensitive response to Hamas massacre. Harvard is a college. They get certain funds in certain ways, and a lot of it is alumni. And there are a lot of Jewish alumni, and they're going to cut off Harvard now. They have really allowed the wrong thing there, okay? Um... Idan Ofer is the founder of Eastern Pacific Shipping, reportedly worth over $14 billion. His wife, Batia, told a Hebrew language outlet that she and her husband are both quitting the school's executive board over their callous response to the attacks. She specifically cited President Claudine Gay's response to 31 Harvard organizations, signing a letter placing the blame on Israel from the Jewish press. Israel police want rules of engagement relaxed to allow shooting at violent crowds. Now, this came out one week before, and I thought, I'm not going to use this, and I thought I am, because this is why they wanted this changed, is because when you enter into a time of conflict, even if it's just a small conflict, unlike this big one, they do not want to have their military hindered. And so they are appealing to have the rules that they have laid out in the past changed. Because when you hinder military movements, and Israel is a military movement, until Jesus comes, that is going to be the standard. So Israeli police and the National Security Ministry want to permit officers to use live fire against rioters who block roads during an emergency. The relaxed rules of engagement are needed for situations in which Israeli Arabs block roads where IDF convoys will be moving to the front a lesson learned from the May 2021 Operation Guardian of the Walls. Now, this happened a week before these things, and they now are probably facing that again without having this rule in place. That's why I'm reading this. Meanwhile, the committee examining the establishment of a National Guard 
has also recommended relaxing the rules of engagement against rioters in an emergency and not only against mobs that are blocking the path of security convoys. Ra'am Party Chairman Abbas condemned the police move, suggesting it would lead to a new committee of inquiry in the future. Abbas said the move represented a failure on the part of police on how to deal with the challenges in Arab society. The way you deal with it is to not allow them to block you in the first place. If they will not listen, even under terms of force, then you have to take more force. The security of Israel during a crisis must be paramount. Okay, if you disagree, that's fine. I can see disagreeing on this, not on what I talked about before. This is something that you can say, well, that's not good in a Democrat society. I, I agree with it personally. When people, you know, it's like these Germans that go and glue their hands to the, the freeway and they expect everybody to stop. Just go. Just go. Their hands will still be there. It may be. You know, I saw the best one ever. As these guys were sitting there all glued to the highway and they wouldn't move, and this BMW spun around, backed up to him, and just revved his car, and all that gas was going all over him. They finally got up and left. Good stuff. Um, okay, I'm just going to read the title of this. My opening was a little long, but from the Times of Israel, you get the point of the rest of it. As Hamas war rages, personal firearm activists see surge in interest. Now, these people live in a country where they're at battle like every eight minutes. And people are finally saying, well, we need to start getting firearms. Okay. And the government needs to loosen its rules to allow this. Okay. But the thing that astonishes me, and it happens in America too, is that we have people that go overseas to fight and they're called infantry. What does every infantry do? He carries a gun. And then they come back and they're not allowed to have a gun for some silly reason. Israel, all of these people were serving in one capacity or another. They were all trained on guns. And then they get out and the government says, well, we can't allow you to have a gun. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I I do understand that there are kooks in society, but you're going to have that anyway. So, okay, we got some news concerning Christianity. Somebody asked about this a week ago, and I said, I'm, I have another article I read this morning, so I thought I'd add it in here. Andy Stanley defends conference for parents of gay kids and says homosexuality, this is what I completely disagree with, is a not a behavior, but he calls it a defining attraction. Stanley defended criticism he received last month from Albert Moeller, who described the message of the unconditional conference as a departure from historic normative biblical Christianity. Stanley deflected the criticism by saying Moeller's version of biblical Christianity is the problem. When you hold this up and you say, this is our standard, he said this is the problem. His version, this version of biblical Christianity is why people are leaving Christianity unnecessarily. That's his take on this. If they are not coming into the church or if they're leaving the church because of a stand on this, then they're probably not Christians in the first place. They're people that are just going to church and going through the motions. It's the version that causes people to resist the Christian faith because they can't find Jesus in the midst of all of the other stuff and all the other theology and all the other complexity that gets globbed onto the message. Theology is all that matters when you're reading the Bible. Either Jesus is God or he is not. If Jesus isn't God, then the theology of the Bible is flawed. You see, every single thing in the Bible is theological in nature. Either it is the word of God or it is not. 
He then moved on to the matter at hand by recapping North Point's history of responding to what Stanley repeatedly referred to as either gay kids or same-sex attracted kids. He says the realization that they are even drawn into the direction of same-sex attraction is terrifying to the students. They don't embrace it, they resist it. They find themselves in a battle not against a behavior. Now what he's doing is he's taking something that has become a cultural accepted norm and he's equating that to what the children are doing, saying that this is the way they always were. And I've said in the past, Joan Collins, when she was young, said, I wish I was a boy. And she said, I grew through that in about eight minutes, and I'm so glad I'm a woman. But this is, we get confused in life and we don't think clearly. Well, that's what's going on. They find themselves in a battle against a defining attraction that they did not choose, but somehow has chosen them. He also repeated an assertion he made in a message he delivered in which he suggested that God has failed to answer the prayers of some of the LGBT community who asked him to change their hearts. Oh, God changed my heart and their heart isn't changed and so he's blaming God for that. In his comments, Stanley again drew a distinction between homosexuality as a behavior and what he described as an immutable characteristic. Okay, now I will say something. When I walk down the road and I see a pretty woman, I'm sorry, wife, I look at her and I think, things, that's natural as a human being. Acting on those things is what is not permitted. Everybody got that? If you look at a guy and you say, boy, is he handsome, the Bible does that. Rachel was lovely and beautiful in form. Okay, and the Song of Solomon, oh, you'll blush if you know what it's talking about sometimes. Okay, this is natural humanity. But... It is not natural to act on the things you should not act on. So even if they they think, well, I really like that guy because he's so handsome and I'm talking about a guy, it doesn't mean you have to do those things. And this is where he has failed to define morality. Okay? They pray. They. I'm not even going to read anymore. You get the point. He's just, he's having, he is having one issue and conflating it with another and he's done it at least three times in that one short article and says, my stand is correct because when they're completely separate issues that he is conflated into one. LifeSite, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano has released the following statement on the ongoing theological debate over the status of Pope Francis and the papacy. Has anybody read this? This came out about a week ago, maybe seven, five days ago. In many ways, this is the most pointed criticism yet. Now, this is a bishop speaking against the Pope. His Excellency argues that given the devastation caused by George Mario Bergoglio, whatever, on the Universal Church, which stems from his embrace of the cancer of Vatican II, and given the role of St. Gallen Mafia played in 2013 Conclave, this is a lot of Italian stuff that I don't understand, but I'm reading it anyway. Pope Francis does not have and never did have the intention of serving as the head of the Catholic Church. This is a bishop saying this. Rather, he hid his intentions from electors with the end goal of using the authority of the papacy to undermine the church and to make it the handmaid of the new world order. I believe instead that his acceptance of the papacy is invalidated because he considers the papacy something other than what it is. Vigano remarks, he continues, I would like us to take seriously the possibility that Bergoglio, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, any, I'm sorry, intended to obtain the election by means of fraud, and that he intended to abuse the authority of the Roman pontiff in order to do the exact 
opposite of what Jesus Christ gave a mandate to St. Peter, which I disagree with that, but yeah. Jesus Christ is the point there. Okay. The Archbishop also states that he disagrees with Bishop Athanasius uh, Schneider's view that universal acceptance of Francis as the Pope makes him the Pope. His Excellency points to the historical example of Clement VII in the 14th century to support his argument. While admitting the current situation is humanly irredeemable, his goal in publishing the letter is to get to the root of the question and to find a common starting point that can lead to a remedy to disconcerting scandalous presence of a pope who presents himself with ostentatious arrogance as inimicus ecclesiae and who acts and speaks as such. That's some words against the Pope, and I don't know where that's going to go, but he is a real problem, and this guy is speaking out against it finally, saying he's not a valid Pope. Life site. Pope Francis advocates for powerful global government not subject to changing political conditions. Exactly what he was talking about, he's come forward and done. In his new apostolic exhortation on climate change, Laudate Deum, Francis has issued a striking call for a multinational or global government that would be independent of changing conditions in the world, highlighting his desire for a supranational body to ensure that climate change measures are implemented the issue is that they must be endowed with real authority in such a way as to provide for the attainment of certain essential goals. But he's talking about an unelected body. So they are unaccountable to anybody else, but this is what he is saying is necessary. In this way, there could come about a multilateralism that is not dependent on changing political conditions or the interests of a certain few, meaning like America that doesn't want to get involved on the next election, okay? So, and possess a stable efficacy. I won't read any more because you get the point. Right. This guy is trying to initiate from a religious aspect the new world order. Yeah. Exactly what the Bible said would come about. Yeah. It will be a political, religious, and cultural organization with total authority. Okay, some news from the Mideast and Africa today. Breitbart Europe let in too many foreigners. Says, anybody see this? Henry Kissinger in wake of pro-Hamas demonstrations across the continent. Mr. Globalist himself, who started this movement, now says he made a mistake. Pro-Hamas demonstrations show European nations, including Germany, made a grave mistake, and the continent should be concerned about future hostage-taking raids against its own, Kissinger warns. Europe is subject to internal pressure by groups of people of totally different culture and religion. We've been saying this for the past 10 years, almost weekly here, because of the grave mistake of admitting too many foreigners. In the wake of the Hamas terrorist attack against Israel, longtime kingpin of the globalist movement, Kissinger, walked back his previous position on the importance of keeping Western nations open to refugee flows and said the events of recent days showed nations had gone too far. A little late, right? Yeah. Observing celebrations in German cities in support of Hamas is painful to watch. Kissinger said it was a grave mistake to let so many people of a totally different culture and religion and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. Okay, I've said this before. This is exactly what Daniel says when he says that they will be a mixture of people, but they will not hold together. They have different goals. They have different aims. And he is quoted without quoting Daniel. 
He said exactly what Daniel said was coming. I'll go to another article, Breitbart. Germany suspends aid to Palestine as Berlin launches a review of all humanitarian support for payments. This is good. Germany did this. Um, I, it, it, you get the point. There's nothing here that you need to know other than that Germany stopped. The EU stopped at the same time. A day later, European Union reverses earlier announcement that it was suspending development aid to the Palestinians. So they first said, we're not going to send money. And then they said, well, we, we're not going to do that. And as everybody knows, I've said it, you've all heard it a million times from other people as well. When you send money to the Palestinian Authority, and you say, this is for humanitarian assistance only, and it just frees up money over here. That's the only thing it does. Money goes everywhere. So if you say, well, this is for this reason, it doesn't mean that that is what's going to happen because now you've freed up. They don't have to pay for this hospital. They'll use this to pay to slay the Jews. So the point is the EU has not thought this through all the way. And I read an article this morning, which maybe I'll include next week on exactly this. Exactly. So remember what I just said about the EU sending money down there and what happens with it. Breitbart, U.S. weapons from Afghanistan ended up with the Palestinian groups operating in the Gaza Strip. A claim in a news report that American weapons seized in Afghanistan have ended up in the hands of Palestinian groups operating in the Gaza Strip has taken on a renewed significance. This report was a couple months ago, and they said, well, it doesn't really matter. Now it does. After Hamas launched an attack on Israel, according to a Newsweek report published in June, so that was, what, three months ago, four months ago, whatever, an Israeli commander said some of the U.S. small arms seized in Afghanistan have already been observed in the hands of Palestinian groups operating in the Gaza Strip. The report began recirculating on social media amid accusations that the Biden admin funded Hamas terrorist attack on Israel by releasing $6 billion in frozen funds to Iran, the main backer of Hamas. We heard about that last week. The admin pushed back against those accusations, saying it had not yet been released, is controlled by a Qatari bank, and will only be used for humanitarian purposes. However, critics argued that since money is fungible, isn't that a fun word? Fungible. It is still adding to Iran's coffers and frees up the government to spend on other things, like I just said about the PA, such as supporting terrorist groups like Hamas, something Blinken later admitted. Further, Iran specifically stated that they would use the money however they desired. They said they were going to do it, but we said you can only use it for this, but they said we're going to do whatever we want with it. And they still are talking about releasing it. Biden, I'm talking about. Okay, from Mongolia, I got two titles for you. Crisis and... I'd say another crisis. Bangkok Post, Mongolia's circus performers fight to preserve their craft. What a crisis. They're losing their great performers. AP, Mongolia, the land of Genghis Khan, goes modern with breakdancing. Yes, and uh, three-by-three baseball. So they're replacing their cultural dances with breakdancing. I'd say that's a double crisis. Okay. I'm going to skip Daniel 12 technology today and we'll go on to Revelation Plagues from AP News. Fukushima nuclear plant starts second release of treated radioactive wastewater into the sea. Japan's wrecked Fukushima nuclear power plant said it began releasing a second batch of treated radioactive wastewater into the sea after the first round of discharges ended smoothly. 
Yeah. We'll find out about that in about eight months when people have things growing out of the side of their head. Yeah, Godzilla. Exactly. I've been watching that. It's on Prime or... uh, No, what's the free one? Tubi? Okay, it's free. Yeah. I've been watching that. When she's cooking, I will usually watch 10 minutes of one. They were great. When I was a kid, every Friday or Saturday morning, we'd wait for our gods. You got Ghidra and Mothra and all these. It is amazing. So I'm going back and reliving my childhood once again with these terrible movies. They're just <laughs> anyway. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Mothra is coming. Um, activated pumps to diluted the treated water with large amounts of seawater, slowly sending the mixture into the ocean through an undersea tunnel for an offshore release. The wastewater discharges, which are expected to continue for decades have been strongly opposed by fishing groups and neighboring countries, including South Korea, where hundreds of people staged protest rallies. China banned all imports of Japanese seafood, badly hurting Japanese seafood producers and exporters. What you don't know is that China's been doing this for years and nobody said a thing. Releasing nuclear-type waste into the river that goes into the ocean, not a word, but they are saying how bad Japan is. They're just deflecting because they've been doing this all along. The plant's first wastewater release began in August 24th and ended September 11th. During that release, TEPCO said it discharged 7,800 tons of treated water from 10 tanks. In the second discharge, TEPCO plans to release another 7,800 tons over 17 days. ABC. Without water, there's no life. Drought in Brazil's Amazon is sharpening fears for the future. Eight Brazilian states recorded the lowest rainfall in the period from July to September in over 40 years. According to some organization, Brazil's disaster warning said the drought has affected most of the main rivers in the Amazon, the world's largest basin, which accounts for 20% of the planet's fresh water. And as of Friday, which was not yesterday, but the previous week, 42 of 62 municipalities in the Amazonas had declared a state of emergency. Some 250,000 people have been affected by the drought so far, and that number may double by year's end, according to the state's Civil Defense Authority. Dry spells are part of the Amazon's cyclical weather pattern, with lighter rainfall from May to October for most of the rainforest. That already low rainfall is being further reduced this year by two climate phenomena. El Nino, which I said last year this was coming and we're in it now. The natural warming of surface waters in the equatorial Pacific region and the warming of northern tropical Atlantic Ocean water. Both are natural, but of course this is the climate people are just taking this all over the place and saying that, you know, the world is going through trouble and it doesn't have to be that man is causing it. It could be that, well, man is indirectly causing it, not directly. In other words, we do things that are sinful and God withholds the rain in its season and etc. So uh, climate change is something that is actually, God is in control of everything. And when the end times come, he will be in control of that as well. Okay, morality is declining. Planned Parenthood is helping teenagers transition after a 30-minute consult. Parents and doctors are sounding the alarm. 30 minutes and you can change your gender. Breitbart, San Francisco provides welfare for transgender, black, and Latino people. They're just giving them welfare if they say that they're transgender. Fox 11, this was on Monday. L.A. elementary schools begin week of LGBTQ plus lessons. All week long in L.A., they've been teaching your kids to grow up to be perverts. 
Breitbart, biological males on transgender drugs, 93% more likely to suffer heart disease. 93% more likely than other males. Zero Hedge, U.S. gives more than $4.1 billion in grants for LGBT initiatives worldwide. In the United States of America, $4.1 billion of our dollars this year. Zero Hedge, Desperate Disneyland slashes children's ticket prices by more than 50%. And people still aren't going. Breitbart, biological man crowned Miss Portugal in Miss Universe pageant. Miss Portugal. They, they don't have any pretty women in Portugal except men. Okay, some other news. Ynet, North Korea halts nuclear reactor likely to extract bomb fuel. North Korea is, they do this, they turn off their reactors and that's how they get their fuel for the bombs. When they turned it off this past week, they say they're probably going to build more bombs. Okay, Times of Israel. Putin claims nuclear-powered missile success, says Moscow could exit the atomic test ban. You talk about a world in chaos we're in it right now. Uh, they're making bombs in South Korea or in North Korea, and Putin has uh, got a nuclear-powered missile. Now, I'll read this article, but uh, just so you pay attention when I get to that part. Uh, last year, two years ago, I read an article that they had an explosion in a plant where they were trying to develop this, and it killed a lot of people. That's the missile that is now perfected. Russia successfully tested an experimental nuclear-powered cruise missile. In other words, it's not, you know, solid fuel, it's not jet fuel, it's a nuclear-powered missile. Putin said, while also warning that the country's parliament could revoke its ratification of a treaty banning nuclear tests. In a speech at a forum of foreign policy experts, Putin announced that Russia has effectively completed the development of the Burev. NISC, I can't pronounce it, whatever, some missile, cruise missile, and the Sarmat heavy ICBM, and will work on putting them into production. His statement was the first announcement of a successful test of this missile, which translates as Storm Petrol. It was first mentioned by Putin in 2018. Little known about this missile, which was codenamed Skyfall by NATO, and many Western experts have been skeptical about it, noting that a nuclear engine could be highly unreliable. It is believed to be able to carry a nuclear warhead or a conventional one and potentially could stay aloft for a much longer time than other missiles and cover much more distance thanks to nuclear propulsion. That's the reason why they're doing this. We send up a missile, fly it around until we're ready to blow something up and then blow it up instead of just shooting and it's over. Okay, that's the reason why they've been working on this. The U.S. and the Soviet Union worked on a nuclear-powered rocket engine during the Cold War, but they eventually shelved the projects, considering them too hazardous. This missile that I can't pronounce reportedly suffered an explosion, here it is, in August 2019, during tests at a Russian Navy range on the White Sea, killing five nuclear engineers and two servicemen, and resulting in a brief spike in radioactivity that fueled fears in a nearby city. Russian officials never identified the weapon involved, but the U.S. said it was this particular missile. In the speech, Putin noted that the U.S. has signed but not ratified the 1996 Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban, while Russia has signed it and ratified it. He argued that Russia could mirror the U.S.'s stand. Theoretically, we may revoke the ratification. Moscow last tested a nuclear weapon in 1990, before the collapse of the Soviet Union a year later. It ratified the global test ban in 2000. 
Putin's statement comes amid widespread concerns that Russia could move to resume nuclear tests to try to discourage the West from continuing to offer military support to Ukraine after the Kremlin sent troops into the country. This is a dangerous world we're living in right now. Okay, we got ourselves into the Ukraine war. Uh, If you don't know this, this is pretty much what happened. I'm not really a specialist on how this all happened, but NATO pretty much lured Russia into this by saying, well, we're going to make them a part of NATO and this and that. And there's all these things that had gone on and Russia acted. Okay, it's more involved than that. But there is this thing going on in Ukraine and it could escalate into something much, much worse. Okay, from Fox. Kirby confronted on recent Biden claim climate change is the only existential threat as Hamas bombs Israel. This is what Biden said in Vietnam. The only existential threat humanity faces, even more frightening than a nuclear war, is global warming going up 1.5 degrees in the next 10 years, Biden said. Without any proof of it, he says it, and he says this is the worst thing we're facing in the world. Oh, oh but he also said that white domestic extremism... Yes, white, well, that's, that's, that's the problem in America. White domestic extremism is the problem in America. The whole world, global warming. Okay, from the GOA, Israel shows why Americans have right to weapons of war for self-defense. They're the gun owners of America. As videos emerge from Israel about the recent invasion by Hamas, it should become clear that the Second Amendment in the United States is necessary to security of a free state. While gun control continues to be pushed by the Biden admin, Israel, a state lauded by gun control advocates for its strict regulations, has axed some of its gun control measures in an attempt to fight the recent terrorist invasion. It's no wonder that Israel has realized that their gun control measures are getting their civilians hurt or worse. We saw that all over the place last week. I won't read any more of this. You get the point with that. But I will say instead that there was a kibbutz, if you saw it on, I linked it on the CG report, there was a kibbutz and there was a 25-year-old girl, security officer for this kibbutz. She saved every life in that kibbutz. She got them prepared. She knew it was coming. She gave them weapons and told them, you're going to go here, you're going to go here. She killed five of them herself. They took out, I think, a total of 10 or 12 or something like that. They completely saved that kibbutz because of the actions of one woman. And they had arms. They had arms. It was wonderful to see. Go back and read that article. Wonderful. She's going to be a national hero when this is all over. Mail Online. Smith & Wesson celebrates opening of $125 million headquarters in gun-friendly Tennessee after moving from longtime home in Massachusetts. The gun manufacturer built a new 650,000-square-foot office in Maryville, Tennessee, which has loosened gun restrictions under Republican leadership. Legislative proposals in Democrat-led Massachusetts would prohibit them from manufacturing certain weapons. They don't like it. It looks evil, and so you can't make it here, and they lost all that revenue. They've been there since they were founded. They're not there anymore. And Tennessee will go left again, and when they do, they can move south to Florida. From the Gateway Pundit, carjackings in Washington, D.C. have spiked 111% in the first 10 months of 2023. Why do we need guns? Zero hedge. 200 Maryland public schools have less than 5% students proficient in math. 200 of their schools in Maryland. 
How many are there total? 207? Zero hedge. Chapter 11 filings by businesses soar 61% so far this year. Great economy. Mail online. Amish men. This is so cute. I had to add it. Amish men shunned following emergency alert tests that outed them for having cell phones. <laughs> An ex-Amish TikToker revealed three of his Amish buddies got shunned after the national smartphone emergency alert. The alert, which set off a loud alarm, exposed them for having cell phones. Modern technology goes against Amish beliefs, apparently not all of them, and traditions. There you go. Okay, who said it? People never lie so much as after a hunt during a war, or before an election. Bismarck. Otto von Bismarck. Okay, got a last Rick here for you. Let's see if you can figure out what he's talking about. To the Pope, weather change is a fact. He thinks nations should gather to act. In his writing, part two, he's told man what to do. Says, do not fix alone, join a pact. Let the world handle it. The unelected people of the world handle it. Okay, we got a uh, terrible situation in Israel. Terrible situation. Um, as I said, we have a uh, link at the top of the CG report. You can click on that to go to live camera. When the ground assault begins, you'll be able to see what's going on. It's from a distance, but you'll be able to see where they're at because you'll see a lot of action going on. Um, and uh, what I would suggest is what I'm going to do right now that you do every day. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to come into your presence. We thank you that you are the God of Israel. You have reestablished them in the land for your sovereign purposes. And though they are not right with you right now because they have not called on Jesus, we know that day is coming. And you have been faithful to this unfaithful group of people all of these millennia until you prepare them for the time when they receive their Messiah. And until then, we would like to pray for them because you have brought them back for your reasons, your purposes. And we would be remiss if we did not pray for them and if we were to not side with them. So help us to be clear in our thinking about Israel. Even though they are not right with you, they are the people that you will return to when you return in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for them, and we know that tough times are ahead, but we do know that you will preserve them, and Israel will stand. Lord, we thank you for that assurance because it's a picture of our own salvation. When we walk away from you, you are faithful to us because you keep the covenant even when we break it. We thank you and we praise you for your steadfast, loyal faithfulness, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a couple ironies, and we will be done. Um, zero hedge. Philadelphia journalist who mocked concern over violent crime in Democrat cities is shot dead in his home. Yes, it's ironic. I'm not saying it's funny, uh, but I did get a couple chuckles over there because it's like doing it to yourself. And then from the Gateway Pundit, Democrat Representative Henry, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Cuellar? Cuellar. Democrat Rep. Henry Cuellar, victim of recent carjacking previously voted for measures to make it easier to defund police. He also supported the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. He got what he deserved. Yeah. Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week. <laughs>